Welcome to Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Your host, Jeanette Linfoot, talks to incredible people about their experiences and unleashing their full potential. From the boardroom tables of big international business to the dining room tables of entrepreneurial startups, embracing opportunities, overcoming challenges, taking risks, while staying true to yourself is where the magic happens. Hi, it's Jeanette here. If you're enjoying Brave, Bold, Brilliant, I'd love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends and leave a five-star review. Let's do it. Here's the show. Welcome to the Brave, Bold, Brilliant podcast. I'm your host, Jeanette Linfoot, and I am joined today by an incredible business leader in the hotel sector. It is the one and only Duncan O'Rourke, who is the CEO of Accor in Northern Europe. Welcome, Duncan. Lovely to see you. Thank you, Jeanette. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you, Duncan. I've been looking forward to doing this interview all day. So thank you for being on. Uh, yeah, I hope I hope I don't let this down. Absolutely. I've also looked forward to this. I think it's wonderful. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Well, listen, you've been around the industry pretty much the same time as I have. So we're, we're both we've both got about 30 years um, experience. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's a wonderful, wonderful industry, isn't it? Oh, you know what it is, and, and you meet so many fascinating people, don't we? We're very fortunate to have had the careers that we've had. So, but you know, of course, for you, you are in a, an incredibly senior role. Um, you became the CEO of Northern Europe in October 2020, I believe, Duncan. Is that right? That's right. In, before that, let me just maybe give you a little bit of a background what I was doing. Um, I started in a call in 2016, and I was heading up all the luxury division for Europe. Uh, my background was luxury. And prior to, prior to joining our call, I was with Kepinski for many years as the chief operating officer worldwide for, for that group. And so I joined our call because of this luxury division. Um, and then um, as, as, as I grew within the company and, and our call, I started to take a multi-brand, which is not only the luxury division, but also from the economy all the way to Upper upscale. And so the position I have now in Northern Europe is just over 43 brands in 38 countries. Just a small job then, Duncan. Not too much going on in your life. No, no, indeed. But you know, my experience, my experience has helped me. Uh, I've traveled, as you know, in our industry, we travel. Uh, I worked in Saudi Arabia with Rosewood in, in uh I've lived in many in Asia, in the US. I, I went everywhere uh, to gain that experience. Actually, left it at one stage to do uh, Movenpick uh, restaurants. I ran all the restaurants, 48 restaurants in Switzerland. So I wanted to leave hotel business, actual hotels and go in restaurants, but then went back a little bit. Um, it's just interesting why I went in this, you know. I, uh, I was in, um, I was born in South Africa. I'm sure you can hear that. And there's a funny story there. My, uh, my, my mother was sent me to uh, an English boarding school, Pryor Park College in Bath, to lose uh, my South African accent because I was there till 11. Um, and it used to really, it still does upset to when everybody would, when I talk this, I use South African still now after all those years at an English boarding school, but that's part for the course. After that, I went to, um, what did I, I went to Swiss Hotel School. Uh, um, and then, and then we actually went into the industry, and 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 have never looked back, Janet. Oh, fantastic! And you've you've certainly had an illustrious career, uh, which is all credit to you and the teams that you've built over the years. But so, Duncan, can I just take you back a little bit earlier in terms of sort of your family life growing up? What 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 was it like growing up? Um, you know, and, and sort of what was your family situation? You mentioned you were born in South Africa. Yeah, I was born in South Africa. Uh, my parents got divorced. I was born in South Africa um, and lived there till 11 and then went to Holland. My stepfather was Dutch, so went to the British school in the Netherlands. And, and my stepfather worked for World Dutch Shell as an executive. And so he traveled to, uh, the family traveled and lived in Indonesia, in, in, in Philippines, in Holland, all over the world. And so um, we were in boarding school, and to compensate that sending us to boarding school each time we went home, it was just absolutely wonderful holidays, uh, wonderful hotels uh, around the road. And so, you know, I just loved that business from a from a from a young from a young age, uh, um, and and just was very very 
interested in that in in the hotel business and uh, and, and and really enjoyed that. Wow, gosh! So so your family were traveling all over the world um, in different different kind of assignments, and and then I guess you were joining them at various wherever they were during the holidays and and spending. That's time. correct. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. And I was in in uh, in in Prior Park in Bath. Bath, as you know. Good rugby country, good rugby city. <clears throat> Came from South Africa, so fat fit right in there as well, and uh, and had a wonderful time there as well at uh, in Borden. I actually said my my son went to the same school as me, uh, and and did very well as um, at the same place. Yeah, indeed. Oh wow! So we've got we've got a family tradition building here. In indeed, yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. So was it was it hard actually, Duncan, being away from your family? You know, at boarding school, was it? It must have been a. a I was young. When I look back, I was young. Um, you know, I was eleven years old when I went there. Um, but the camaraderie and that that uh, atmosphere at the schools were were wonderful. In the beginning, in the beginning, it was very, very, uh, very, very difficult. I still remember we used to call home and you had to put all these coins, fifty pence coins, in the in the you know in the telephone we didn't have all this uh, technology now and uh, and then there would be other kids waiting to call you know and so when your mother would go oh honey you'd start crying then everybody would tease you so you had to become strong and then later on you know at the 14 15 you on holiday and you used to look forward to going back to school uh, uh so it changed uh, it, it really fundamentally changed lots of sports lots of uh, lots of fun um no, it was a very good uh, a good time. I look fondly back on it. Well, that's great because, you know, like I say, for some for some children, maybe they wouldn't flourish in that environment, whereas you obviously did. And and uh, do you think it taught you some life, school, life skills very early on? Uh, then? Yeah, it did. It, it taught me to be confident. It taught me, uh, um, you know, a, a lot of a team building, different nationalities, as you can imagine, at the school, different characters. It taught me to appreciate my mother's food tremendously, uh, you know, from uh, I don't want to eat that coming back to oh, mum, this is lovely. So it, it changed all of that as well. But no, it makes you. It made it. It made me confident. There's a lot going on at the school. Debating classes, debating clubs, captains, sports. This. It's a. It's a. If it, if if some. I, I appreciate some people don't enjoy it, but if you do, uh, you can really blossom there. Yeah, well, you obviously did, and it set you on a path um, that, you know, has obviously led to you having a, the incredible career that you've had uh, today. And you, you said you got interested in the hotel side of uh, of the game because I suppose you were staying in some lovely hotels when you were visiting. Oh, lovely. Yeah, some really nice, especially in Asia, in, in Malaysia, in Indonesia, in Singapore. You know, all those times, the raffles... Uh, uh, Shangri-Las, uh, Mandarins, it was just it was just wonderful experience. Very blessed uh, at the time as well um, to be traveling and being able to do that. Yeah, and so obviously this this sense of luxury then, Duncan, that you ended up moving into the luxury segment, you know, as your career as well. What does luxury mean? It's often a term that's used um, pretty prolifically, but isn't always, you know, up to scratch. So when you think about luxury, what are, what are the kind of like the iconic elements of luxury brands that really stand out for you? You're absolutely right, Janet. It's, it's a term used a lot. Um, I once asked when I was working in Saudi Arabia, I once asked uh, the foreign the, the foreign minister of Saudi Arabia was uh, Bin Khalid, and I said, "What is the most luxurious experience you've ever had in a hotel?" Expecting him to say, "I don't know, the Dorchester or the Ritz or the Crillon," and he said it was on a rainy night in uh, Nova Scotia at a Holiday Inn, uh, and I asked for a Diet Seven Up, and the receptionist ran through the rain to a store at 11 o'clock at night to bring me that back and no five-star hotel would have ever done that. So, you know, and I always remember that lovely story. Look, for me, luxury is limited by definition. I think that's that's where it comes into me. Luxury is limited, it's, it's, it's personalized and it's changed fundamentally from, you know, from 10 years ago to what is luxury now, you know? What is luxury for me personally? Time. Time is luxury for me. I wish I had more time. Um, and so, uh, you know, um, it's, it's, it changes all the time. But in the hotel business, it's become really uh, an important, important segment uh, uh, 
the luxury the luxury side you know you have exactly in our core you have you have the traditional or the or the the traditional brands which are the heart and soul of a company the ebcs the novotels the pullmans the mercurios the swiss hotels and then you have that luxury segment that raffles that sofitel the orient express the fairmonts and it is fundamentally different they they're not as many but you have that you know you always see this in your career that 20 80 rule 20 percent 80 percent and the amount of fees and, and, and revenue that this smaller segment, but luxurious segment drive uh, is, is incredible. So luxury for me is limited, it's special, it's personalized. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and for me as well, it's time, you know, and people who have the money to go into high end luxury often don't have all the time they need to do that. And so it reflects in there as well. Wow. Yeah, no, there's so much in, in what you're saying, actually. And, you know, with your role then, Duncan, because you, you mentioned about the scale of the, the, the operation, the business and, and just the number of brands. I mean, a lot of people listen, they clearly will know that Accor is a huge organization, but possibly didn't wasn't aware of just how many brands there are within the group. I mean, it's phenomenal, isn't it? The, the size and the range. So, so given that you've got this sort of background in luxury, but now you are, you know, the CEO across the whole of Northern Europe with the brands from the, you know, sort of the lower lower end right the way through to the top premium luxury segment. How do you kind of, I suppose, adapt your style to see the customer through the different lenses, whether they're a luxury customer or whether it's one of, you know, maybe the more of the mainstream brands that you have? How do you manage to adapt given that your background is naturally more towards the luxury segment. Is, 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 is there an adjustment that you have to make? No, no, clearly there's an adjustment uh, and the expectations of, of, that, of, of the different segments change. Uh, one is more efficient, uh, value for money, uh, uh, quick, uh, expedited, and the other is more personalized, and it's more personalized. It's, it's, so it changes fundamentally. In the beginning, Jenna, it was difficult, you know, to come from always luxury, Rosewood, uh, uh, Kipinski, whoever, and then come in. And the only reason I joined Arcor was they had that acquisition of FRHI buying Raffles and Fairmont, and they said, can you, can you look after that in Europe? Uh, and then when they said, well, can you take over um, all the brands? You know, in the beginning, it was, it was daunting, I can tell you, because you can't, you can't manage uh, the EBS brand is the same way you manage the Raffles brand uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But what I do think, Janet, is the, the experience that you have from luxury and that attention to detail and that uh, those stakeholders, the owners, the employees, um, the guests and that attention you give, I think that you can transform that across all brands. Uh, it's just in what degree you do that. Um, and so I think that's helped me. I, I would imagine it's a lot more challenging to come from an only echo-based or economy-based segment and, and try to come into the, to the managed. Um, but I think my way, my way around worked, uh, worked extremely well. And, and, you know, like you said, it's, it's, uh, it's shiny. You have 40, 43 brands, you have 1,500 hotels. Um, and so it's 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 a different uh, in each way you have to behave very very differently, um, but it does it does help. I I believe honestly it does help to have that luxurious background. Not that you need that at all, but if it, me it's helped me. Yeah, no, it's it's a good perspective actually because like you say, attention to the customer service you know, all of those little details, whether it's a, a premium brand or a budget brand, actually the principle's the same because people are people and they want to feel like an individual. Correct. And so you can you can spend as much time on on a luxurious brand like a Raff, and I'm just simplifying it on, on how to make the arrival and the rooming experience the best that it can possibly be. And you can you can use that thoughts of what the what what the guests and what the employees want and how you can interact and how you can you can put that into a, a novotel by saying let's have a cardless system mobile phone to check in so that that uh, the receptions don't need to check you in you use your own mobile phone and somebody can walk with you and have a conversation uh instead of standing behind the front desk so you use all these experiences all these guest contacts all these touch points to create something uh, meaningful and, and different. 
Yeah, and, I, and like you say, having a differentiated, clear proposition that stands behind each of the brands is, is, Correct. is Correct. absolutely critical. So, so you mentioned Duncan. You know, when you when you you know got the promotion and you stepped up to become the CEO across the whole of Northern Europe, that was a bit daunting. Um, sometimes people see see people in senior leadership roles like you are and think, oh, it's all right for you. Got all the confidence. They've got all the answers. They know everything, don't they? They'd never feel daunted. Um, but so I think it's refreshing refreshing actually to, to hear that when you did make that jump up that yeah it was it was a big deal for you and you had to kind of probably adapt yourself and get your mindset in the right right place so can we talk about that a little bit around how you you um overcome any sort of feelings of fear um in terms of stepping up into a bigger role yeah, you know, it's funny, Janet, you know, it's, it's not the first time I've had this feeling. I've had this feeling many times in my career. Each time it was the first time, you know, first time you were F&B director, first time you were general manager of a luxury hotel, first time you had to do an opening, first time you had to take, become a vice president. Each time I've had this, uh, you never lose that uh, uh, because, you know, as you go up there, the experience, the expectations, and the deliverables are much more pertaining and more serious each time. So, um, yeah, I'm very. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's good to 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 be transparent about that and to and to say it is daunting. There are concerns. Uh, it can become extremely stressful as well uh, um, if you don't manage it properly because it's something new. It's out of your comfort zone. Uh, you know, to to run to run Kapinski sitting in Geneva. Uh, and then to come into our call with, like I said, with these 40 brands and 30 countries and workers' councils and unions and owners and and laws and this and that, uh, um, it's it, it you know it takes uh, you know you need to breathe. And I think what 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 always did what I always did, and I hope this helps. What I always did during these times, I always reminded myself what was going right, what is what is working. So during those times when you have those sleepless nights and you have them, you have those sleepless nights, what is going right? Uh, and remind yourself of that because that's important. And then you, you, know, you also have to become ultra clear on what you're trying to achieve uh, and really focus on that. And then, you know, you have to breathe, always breathe, never stop breathing uh, at every time, breathe, take a break, breathe, take. And when you take action, take it firmly, uh, in a, in a very directive way, um, um, and and you, you know you'll come through this. Uh, the other side about this industry, you know, Janet, you're never alone. You have one. It's you have wonderful people around you in the team, and so talking is super important. Explaining what the challenge is, explaining what is, and get them involved. I think that's the one great thing about this industry is you have lots of people around you. Who, who are there to help and support you. And so I've always surrounded myself with very, very good teams. If you look at, you know, how did Duncan make his career? It was very easy. Duncan always had good people around him, people that would challenge him, people that would stretch him. And not everybody was a cookie cut mold. You had completely different characters uh, around in my teams there, vocal, reserved, proactive, innovative, uh, uh, defensive, uh, often a, a whole wide range of characters, as you well know, in it, put those good people around you, get them aligned. And, and that's how I always managed it, uh, managed to, and when you look back, of course, there was nothing to worry about. There was no need for the stress. It just went through. But I think that stress or that, 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 it's it's part of respecting the the challenge that that was facing you at the time. I think it's as simple as that. Yeah, I love that. There's so much in in this for uh, people to pick up on, Duncan. Because you know we don't always have all the answers. I love that. Just breathe. <laughs> I can, I'm going to start using that when I'm on touchdown. I'll say, Duncan reminded me, just breathe. Just breathe. Yeah, it's such an easy word, isn't it? And and sometimes you just need to sit back and breathe and just. Come up for air and take a breath. Everything is fine. Everything is okay. Just breathe, you know, and uh, and get through that. Yeah, and I think the other the other thing which struck me as you were talking, Duncan, was about perspective. 
you know, remind yourself of the things that are going well, you know, take the time, calmly think about what you're trying to achieve, take the action and, and yeah, just trying to put your put perspective around the situation because it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. Um, right, exactly so, right. Yeah, and yeah. and you're, you're right with the right people. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, we, we're not always going to get everything right. But that's OK, isn't it? Because that's how we learn. You know, we're all human beings. And, and I think sometimes what another topic which actually I'd like to touch on is around, I suppose, uh, approach to, to failure, really, and, and testing and learning things. Because I think... In a, in, a, in a corporate world, that can sometimes be quite difficult because you've got to deliver the numbers, you've got the shareholders to worry about, you've got so many different stakeholders that sometimes that can um, make it a difficult environment to fail, you know, um, but that is where the growth comes. So just interested in your perspective on failure, really, and how you deal with it and how you encourage the team to, to kind of approach it as well. Look, I think setbacks... Setbacks are absolutely an integral part of, of, of what we do in our career. Um, and we should, treat, we should treat these mistakes or setbacks uh, as opportunities to, to learn and grow. Uh, um, and, and, you know, somebody once said to me, you should celebrate your, your failures at the same time in your meetings with your team. Celebrate them the same way you celebrate success. Uh, because everybody learns from it and everybody grows from it and everybody moves on. I have absolutely no issues uh, uh, with setbacks. Uh, it, it, it doesn't shock me or anything. It's, I expect them all the time uh, in this dynamic world, how things change all the time as well. You have setbacks all the time and, and uh, I embrace it. I enjoy it uh, um, and find different solutions with the team and, and we discuss them. And, and learn from them. I agree with you. It's uh, it's a part. It's a really an important part of of going forward. Yeah, definitely. And and I think having a leader like yourself that almost gives the team permission to to try things, to to push the boundaries. You know, it's not always going to work, but I think as a leader, if you can encourage that in the team to have that sort of can-do approach and and learning from things, then that's really that's really powerful. And, and Duncan, you, you spoke about the team and, and you're right, you know, this is very much a people business. It's a service business and, you know, people are everything. So, so when you're building your, you know, a team, a high performing team that like you have got, what are the core, core ingredients? What are the things that you're trying to create and look for in people? I think when, when, you, when you get a team, it's, um, it's, it's really important when you form a new team and you have that you know, that famous stage of forming, norming, storming, and then performing and, and high, you know, that's when you become a high, high performing team. And it, it, you know, when you read that, it sounds, sounds simplistic, but it's in fact really reality. When you get a new team together, it's exactly those stages. And, and so communication is absolutely uh, imperative. I like to <clears throat> surround myself with people who are often, often even more than often uh, better than I am. Uh, um, I'm, I'm by far the least capable in the team. Uh, everybody around me in their field is, is really far, far better than I ever would be at it. Um, and, uh, and then it's a matter of bringing them together and aligning them and, 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 and giving that, that goal. And, you know, and uh, when, you, when you have these high-performance teams, there's, there's expectations, you know, the, the, the more they are, the more you have to manage them. And it's not about managing. I have, you know, my team, I don't manage my team, Janet, and I've told them that uh, I don't manage my team. My team manages themselves. I, I lead them, I mentor them, I stretch them a little bit uh, when the time is right, but I definitely don't manage. They don't need to be managed. So when I form a team, it's, it's people who don't need to be managed, who are self-starters, who, who have the right values. And that's also extremely important of the values, the human values. And you will know this, Janet, from the industry, how we treat people, the respect we give people um, is absolutely critical to our success because everybody has the product. It's the people around that are providing the services what makes you win or lose in this game. And so if we, we have to start that, we have to be the example right at the top uh, in terms of how we communicate, how we behave, 
And that's also very, very key to me in forming a team. Very open, very transparent, uh, um, very direct. Um, that's that's the things. Um, I, I push them to decide with speed and conviction. Don't slow down. Make quick decisions. Uh, you know, and, and I realize many times uh, in my career that the wrong decisions may be better than no decision. And so um, I live by that as well, you know. I'm, I'm very calm in my mind that I'll make some decisions which are wrong, but they better not not make any decision. And so I lead the team through this here. Yeah, you're spot on. Absolutely, Duncan, because, you know, we, we have to move fast. And yes, of course, we want to make the right decisions, but to not make a decision is, is absolutely the worst position to be in. And also, it, it, you know, it doesn't give the team confidence either, you know, it doesn't doesn't instill instill um you know a positivity and an energy around a decision so i think you're absolutely right and um you know and, and you know we've got i think we've got some challenges in the industry um at the moment and we're going to talk a little bit around kind of leading through adversity and difficult times etc but certainly i think you know in terms of attracting talent into the industry there's there's quite a shortage of talent at the moment I'm interested to hear from your perspective, Duncan, how you're finding things operationally, you know, with having, you know, the, the right people to be serving the guests in the right way. Are you finding it difficult at a call now at the moment to get to recruit people and retain people in the industry? Yeah, look, I'll, I'll start like this um, and then I'll answer the question. When, when the COVID crisis hit, it shut 95% of my hotels down. 95%, over 40,000 employees without working in the hotels, you know, furlough or Kurzarbeit. Uh, uh, and we went through that uh, that challenge. Just maybe a little bit, Janet, if you let me with about the, uh, this crisis, this pandemic. Um, it was, I've only done this industry. So I started uh, in hotels and I've only done it. And I've seen many things. I've been in Russia during the coups. I've been, uh, to 9-11, to the uh, Goldman Sachs Solomon, uh, financial crises. I've seen everything, terrorist attacks, uh, you name it, I've seen it all. Uh, this one was different because it shut down the entire world at the same time, whereas before it was happening in the States and Europe was all right, or Asia Pacific was all right, but this thing shut everything down, um, which, which took me by surprise because I'd seen a lot and I knew how to adjust to a lot, but this one took me very much by surprise. Um, and so it, it, it became very, very difficult. And the consequence of that, when, it, when business started to come back, Jeanette, I was happy days, finally we back, we go in. And then I started to get the calls. Uh, we can't find staff, we can't do this, you know, and that paradox of that business is back. And now um, why is this hotel only running at 70? Well, we had to close four floors, why? No staff. Why is there only two restaurants open and not three? We close the rest. Why? No staff. And so there's a massive staff shortage, Janet. I would, uh, between 15 and 20%, I would say, uh, is the number um, of, 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 of talent that we're missing in, in, the, in the industry. And, and also our course exactly at those numbers as well. Um, and in different countries, different, different, uh, different resilience in the United Kingdom, it's worse because you had that Brexit and this, you know. But, you know, when I reflect on this, channel, and I can say this to you because you from this industry, a lot of it is our fault. Uh, um, there were signs before the pandemic. The pandemic just expedited this. Uh, you know, these unflexible working hours, long hours, uh, minimum wage, this, you know, we've, we've, it's a wake-up call for all of us. And so what we have to do is reignite how wonderful this industry and it is and we have fantastic stories but we just have to do things differently um we have a we have a very lifestyle brand called 24 25 hours in in, in germany opening all over the place they went to a four-day walking because so you get paid for five but you work four they'd hide 15 percent more people now than they ever could find so you have to do things differently and then on top of that, this younger, newer generation entering, they're a lot more critical and you better have the right stories for them to come in. It's not just the job, it's who am I working for, what do you stand for, what is the environment, what is your views on the environment, on social, on media, etc. So it's a lot more 
challenging to do that, but I believe we we at our core are really on the on the right way to 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 do this. But to answer your question, it's a long answer. Um, it is a challenge. The the this the staff shortage, uh, and it's not just. Uh, with us, it's in the US. It's uh, I'm talking about. Of course, I can speak about. We discuss this all the time in every meeting we have at a very senior executive. We talk about staff shortages, and it's and it's in Asia, Janet. It's in Asia. It's everywhere. It's not something that's Europe or or London. It's worldwide, and 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 we need to address it, and we are addressing it, and it means working with uh, hotel schools, with universities, but also with owners. Uh, increasing things, being more flexible, and, and really communicating how wonderful this industry is and how flexible it is, you know, and, and, and how quickly you can grow with it. Mm, yeah, it is, it, it is. And it's great to hear some of the initiatives. I agree with you. I think through adversity, sometimes we can get a lot more creative than maybe we would have done, you know, would have done if they hadn't had the problems. But it's not an overnight um, fix, is it? It's going to lots of maybe smaller initiatives that all add up to and you're right you know people have a choice don't they it's very much a two-way street it's never like it's not like the old days where it was more you interviewing someone for a job and whether you're going to give them the job they're also selecting you as an employer of choice aren't they you know no no absolutely and i don't think you and i we we started and we worked in one place right you worked for for two you worked for Pinsky, you work for our core. I think these days are going to go. I think you're going to find somebody saying, but where do you work? Well, I work two days at our core hotel. I work three days in, uh, I was making it up, at Mercedes, and, and I work at one another two days for myself. I think that will be the norm. I'm, I'm not sure you're going to get somebody who's at, at, the, at this rank file who's going to be 100% dedicated to one thing. I think um, no, they, they they want to do different things and at their time, at their leisure, it's going to be a, a, a different way. And that gives us exactly what you said, and that's the right attitude, huge opportunities then to tap into that and work that out. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and the industry is fantastic. You know, I mean, you've spent most of your, well, all of your career on the, on the most of your career on the hotel hospitality side. I've spent mine more on the sort of travel businesses, tour operating side. But whether you're an airline, whether you're a DMC, whether you're an OTA or a hotel, everyone has got the same challenges. You're right. And it's a global, global challenge. I mean, it would be nice to see the industry actually pulling together with some initiatives as well. I mean, clearly there's competition, um, but it would be nice actually if, if we can join together and join forces to actually attract people into the sector that maybe have left or had never considered a career. Um, you know, I think that 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 maybe is something. Is that happening in your part of the world at all? You know, do all of the, the hotel groups get together to sort of talk about joint initiatives or is it more individual uh, perspectives? Look, one thing I realized during this pandemic and then afterwards the, the staff shortages is how underrepresented the hospitality tourism industry is um, in governments, in, in, in benefits and all that. Airlines, airlines get away with it uh, much quicker, but in general, the hospitality, the restaurant, hotels, travel and tourism, are really for how many people they employ and how many jobs they give and how much uh, 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 revenues they bring into countries, it's really underrepresented at the government. And I think there's a lot to be done there on how to do that. Uh, and they don't make it easy, you know, uh, uh, in, in making things work because, you know, what, what France says, Germany hasn't agreed and then England's not doing it and then Spain is doing it. So it's super difficult to get one alignment going across uh, uh, and that also makes the whole thing beautiful, of course, because it's it's challenging. But uh, no, I think to answer you very, very, very transparently, no, not not enough. Uh, um, and I think we should do more uh, to to tackle this issue. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're right. I, and let's not forget, you know, travel and tourism accounts for ten percent of global GDP. It's huge. But that's my point. That's exactly my ten percent. But there's no representation anywhere. Uh, it's the it's always the, the this this travel and tourism and hotel restaurants always the first ones in a crisis, first ones to go in, the last ones to come out. They have to beg. There's no representation at government. Yet it's exactly what you said. It's it's a force to reckon with, and uh, 
hopefully from this we can get things going but there's a lot we need to do ourselves yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and Duncan, you know, I mean, I really appreciate your transparency and your openness and, you know, leading leading through an unprecedented crisis, you know, obviously global pandemic being the most extreme that we've seen. But like like you say, you and I have both been through 9-11, various, you know, hurricanes or repatriations or Gulf Wars, I mean, ash cloud. I mean, you know, the, there is an endless list <laughs> through our our. 30 years in the industry but you know for, for you as a leader um how what did you learn about yourself during this particular tough time you know you must have had to dig deep um even more so than at any other time so so how what have you learned about yourself duncan through this time do you think i've learned that first of all not about myself but i've learned that this industry is very resilient and that's a good thing. This industry always comes back. No matter what you throw at it, it always comes back. And that is fantastic. Um, and I've learned, I've learned through these, through these crises, which you mentioned, there were many of them, and they were all big at the time. Uh, um, communication is of essence. Keep communicating, talking, talking. And, and I did that often. Uh, uh, during the pandemic, you know, not only speaking to my team, speaking to every general manager, every employee once a month, this is what's happening, this is where we're going, keeping them focused, even the ones who are at home, you know, because people at home for two, three months, they, you got to communicate to them and say, listen, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're here. So I, th I think communication is important. Being, being positive, I, I'm very lucky, Janet. I look at everything always uh, half uh, full. I'm very positive about the situation. And I and in that in that particular time, I just realized that this this at this pandemic at the time when it was all closed down, you know, it it was very bleak and dark. I mean, the entire hotel industry was on its knees. Uh, it and, and there's still repercussions now. There's still smaller companies which are struggling. Uh, as, you, as you well know, um, Accor, Accor has the financial clout to withstand that. Uh, um, and we did, we, 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 were, we, we, went, we went through this and we come in out very positive. Um, but it was also a company that's coming back to these values. It was also a company where the management board um, and the supervisory board agreed not to take a dividend, Janet, and took the 250 million from that and made a, a fund called the Hartis Fund and started to pay employees who could not get furlough, who could not, who were really in a, in a difficult situation. You know, in UK and in Europe, you get these uh, government subsidies, but in other countries, so we had money to pay for houses or to pay for schooling or to pay employees salaries for four or five months just to keep them afloat. So a lot was going on. And I actually, you're gonna laugh at this, but I was working harder when 95% of hotels were closed and when they were open, because, you know, you have to come with the all safe, make sure that it's uh, safe and clean when people come in, you have to come up with all these initiatives. You had no staff, so it was very, very uh, challenging. And so what I've learned from myself is, um, you know, I'm always believing, I'm always driving forward. I took risks. I brought back the entire uh, SMDL or the sales marketing discipline. I brought everyone back five months before any other company, everybody back, and that's a huge paycheck because you take them off payroll. And I took them back and I said, start selling, start going out, knocking on doors, businesses coming back, knowing in a way that if I was wrong, uh, the repercussion would be worse than the, the check to bring them back. I mean, if I was wrong and this thing lasted another two years, uh, we would be in a worse situation. So I took that risk and it's paid off uh, very, very well. And, and, and again, keep motivated. And, and I also realize that people look at you, not only employees, uh, Janet, or, or Stake, but also your owners, communicating with the owners nonstop. So how are you doing? What do you need? Uh, how can we help? Uh, uh, we, 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 postpone, uh, we postpone the payments. We'll put you on a payment plan. Don't worry. Cash is king now. Let's move. You know, so we really uh, looked after our owners, looked after the employees, um, and put ourselves in, in a little bit of back of the situation there. Um, and then you also, what you learn, Janet, is the character of your team, right? Uh, during that crisis, you see how people behave very differently than when business is going well. You know, when the stress comes on, uh, 
you see people how they behave are they calm do they panic do they you know it's it's also very very interesting of course yeah yeah you're right actually and and i guess there are some sometimes there'll be some pleasant surprises within that where certain people maybe that you didn't realize have the strength and they stand up and they really lead from the front and then maybe other people that you thought would deal with the changes maybe they don't deal with it so that's exactly right uh, you know that's exactly right uh, in my team i had a, had a gentleman who i thought would take a massive lead in this and it stayed a little bit in the shadow and not doing anything wrong, being very contributive and, and doing everything right. Um, and then uh, and then a lady uh, uh, in the team uh, reports directly to me, um, who I thought would be more in the back, you know, took the lead, uh, but massively and, and really well and really stepped up and, you know, rolled the sleeves up and, uh, and really pushed tremendously forward. And, and, and that's wonderful to see that. Oh, amazing. And that's it, isn't it? Sometimes people in certain situations, they just flourish. Um, and and sometimes it can be like having finding a, a diamond in the dust. It just needs polishing a little bit and then it just sparkles so bright that, you know, it's... it's yeah, beautiful to see. And and Duncan, you know, you, you strike me as the, as the kind of guy that's very open-minded. You enjoy, obviously, the cultural... Uh, breadth of the business and your own personal experiences through your life have been with different in, you know nationalities etc how important is diversity and inclusion for you personally in your team and also at a core because you are a large organization but how, how is that on the agenda look it's very important uh it's very very important in our core um and and we are we are we take it very seriously in my team i have i think 49, I think it's 49 or 48% are female, are my executive team reporting to me. Uh, and I will say that's not because they are ladies or female at all, that they are fundamentally better than any man who can, I hire the best. Uh, it just happens that they're female. Uh, um, I'm not looking at that and just hiring, okay, I make a number up. Um, and they are, um, they are very switched on uh, very demanding in terms of business and, and, and achieving the goals. And they keep me uh, uh, awake and very switched on, which is very good and it's a good management. So in our core, it's very, very important, uh, uh, this diversification. Um, and the same is at our, at, at our leadership, Sebastian, who's our CEO and president, he has the same goals and same targets and same uh, achievements on his board as well. So he also has the same percentage and, and keeps growing. And so it is very, very important for us um, because we believe it's right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and let's but let's face it, you know, you get the best results by having diverse teams, whether it's gender diversity, cultural Correct. diversity, Correct. LGBTQ, Correct. you know, because your customers are diverse. So you want... That no, that's right. And we just celebrated uh, the LGBT week uh, uh, in, uh, you know, I just was looking at all the pictures before I came in here from San Francisco, from the Fairmont, all the way to London, to Berlin, to Vienna. It's huge pride uh, in, in our company this diversification, uh, and we embrace it and celebrate it tremendously. Uh, um, we're very proud of that. Yeah, how wonderful that people can be their true selves and have a fabulous career at a core and be able to show up authentically. It's it's incredible, you know. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a funny thing as well, you know, of, of how that's changed. When I came in, you had to have your hair not touching your collar, when I left hotel school and, you know, I'm not shaving and, you know, it was very stiff and that. And now you look, people are free and they express themselves. Uh, and that's wonderful at a call, you know, you see uh, a bartender with a tattoo and five earrings and it's just wonderful. Uh, 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 it depends on which hotels and what climate. But uh, no, no, it's, it's also because of our clients, uh, Janet. Our clients are also diverse, and so we have we you know we embrace everything and uh, and uh, and 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 everything because we think it's important. Uh, uh, um, and and I, I must say, from all the hotel companies I know and I've worked with, and the ones I know from outside, in that particular segment of diversification, our core is probably light years ahead of uh, a lot of the other companies. Yeah, and that's very right. Yeah, that's great to hear. I mean, you know, I, certainly in my earlier career, I would very often be the only woman in the boardroom or the only only woman with a P&L in particular, um, you know, so... I so can imagine. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I can imagine. 
Yeah, but I mean, thankfully, you know, we, we're moved, we've moved forward significantly as a sector, as an industry. And, and you're right, it should be the right person for the job. I never believe in quotas, uh, personally. I just think we have to work on the pipeline of talent. You know, we have to be able to say to anyone of social, social mobility, gender diversity, LGBTQ, that there is a, a career path for you here, uh, whatever that looks like, you know, and I think we need... 100%, absolutely. Yeah. No, no, I'm yeah. totally with you. I can imagine that you're saying that you were the only with a PL response. But I remember when I was uh, in, in Kapinski at the time, it's not long ago, it's like nine years ago. Uh, um, there was also just one lady with the PL, uh, which is wrong, right? Because you look at it now, it's just a matter of, of opening your eyes and spreading the net of who you recruit. It's not about quotas, like you say. It just spreading out and thinking out the box uh, and then you get wonderful people who are highly effective i mean i have like i said i have six uh six ladies in my team uh who all have serious pnls and a northern europe responsibility massive multi-million dollar pnls and are highly effective yeah absolutely and and so duncan for you you, you know you're a busy hard-working ceo with all the pressures that come with that and um, how do you find balance with your personal life and managing the business at the same time that's always a challenge i think it, it is a challenge and I'm, I'm not probably the best example here um you know i would love to be able to now tell you that i never take anything home and uh, when i come home it's 100 percent uh, with the family and uh, holidays, I switch everything off. And, uh, you know, I would love to be able to say that, but you know, that's, that's not, it's not me. I haven't got to that place yet. I'm still looking for that place uh, um, to get there. I'm getting better. I'm getting better, but uh, um, I, I relax at home. Uh, I, I really, I don't switch everything off, but I really do relax at home uh, with the, with the family. I mean, the family, the kids are all, you know, the youngest girl is 23, Natasha Vitalik is 33. So, I mean, they only come home on the holidays now and all of that. But, uh, you know, with Marina, that my wife, I, I relax at home. Uh, um, it's important for me. Um, but I never switch off entirely. Uh, I never do. Uh, uh, on every holiday, I still... And it's not because I'm, I'm bored or nothing. I just... Uh, I just keep myself updated because what I don't know, I did it once, Janet. I switched everything off uh, to follow this, you know, two weeks. That's another bad advice, by the way, when you were talking about, I was to switch everything off and do everything. And then when you come back, you've got a huge amount, a mountain to climb. And then you feel like you need another vacation holiday, you know, 10 days later. So I prefer, I prefer, I wake up very early always. I'm a very early waker, much earlier than my family. Prefer to go in, do everything for the first two hours, clean everything up, do boom, 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 and then that's the way I am. But I, I, I love, I love relaxing with the family, doing things with the family, traveling with them. Uh, we always get this a little bit with, uh, with Marina, my wife, because her idea of a perfect holiday is a five-star hotel where she has to do mine is not go to a hotel. Let's. Let's go somewhere where we can cook and all of that. She's like, I've been cooking, done it, you know. So it's always funny, but uh, we have good times. That's important, isn't it? You know, because having a, a supportive family, a great partner, you know, is is so important when you're in a big job like you are. It you can't do it on your own, and it, you know, you need that at home to in order for you to be effective. And I think very often our partners don't get as much credit as they should do. Um, so it's great you've given Marina a shout out. I'm sure she'll be very pleased with that. And you're surrounded by beautiful women in your life, of course, Duncan, by the sounds of it. She does She does deserve it. She does definitely deserve it. Uh, she's been so supportive. I think she's moved, moved nine times. Wow. Nine different countries with me, you know. She must love probably, you, Duncan. I'm probably, I'm probably on eight of them. Uh, I just told her where we go, and I probably only asked her once, what do you think? Yes, I just said, we move in here, you know. That's how it was when we started. This job here, go here, you know, with the company, just moved. Uh, no, no, she, did, she, did, she deserves a big shout out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, she must love you. You must be doing something right, Duncan. Sacrifice. <laughs> 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 Maybe that's it. If you were at home too, home too much, maybe she wouldn't be so happy. She tells me that, you know. It's funny, you say that she tells me, if I stay at home for two, three weeks, she says, listen, don't you need to go on a trip or something now? <laughs> <laughs> Get out of 
fantastic. Well, no, it's, it's important, isn't it? Because, you know, we do have, we do have two sides and, and, and it is very difficult to separate. I, me I remember when I was in corporate as well, when I was the MD of the emerging markets for two, you know, I'd be away 70% of the time. You know, I'd fly to Beijing and I'd fly to Delhi and then Moscow. And, you know, if it wasn't for Chris being, you know, there is my rock by my side, I, I couldn't have done the job I did. No way. Um, but it, it, I, always, I also found it very difficult to switch off. Uh, but we, we just agree certain rules, you know. Correct. Correct. That's, Correct. that's, that's Correct. how we manage. But um, it is You're right. It is difficult to switch off. And also, you know, like you did, you go to... Uh, China or something, you fly, but you don't, you don't switch off the day you land and you come in the house and you switch off from a four day trip in China. Just whoever says that's not right, you just don't do that. It takes a while and, and you're still thinking of the meetings and what it is and you want to get this cleared up. So you're absolutely right. You need somebody strong behind you. It's, but it's exciting, right? It's a wonderful industry, but you, you're absolutely right. You need somebody very supportive, uh, a rock that, that steadies you. Yeah, and also it keeps you grounded. It keeps you grounded, you know. Well, yeah, because and, and this is this is I'm just going to kind of move into this before we before we finish, Duncan. Because you know when you're in the big roles, the CEO roles with the title and the brand and the you know and the remuneration and the bells and the whistles, you know, ego can come into that, can't it? You know, you can you can believe that you are as important as you are, but when you get home. <laughs> You're not the CEO necessarily anymore. You're the husband, you know, the father, the the washer upper, the chef, whatever it might be. And and I think it's really important that we keep our egos in check as well, because sometimes that can. I, I found that in the past. I've, you know, sometimes had problems where I I've forgotten that I'm not in the office anymore. And Chris would say, Jeanette, I don't work for you. I don't work with you. I'm I'm your partner. Let you know, just call it down. Yeah, <laughs> correct, correct. It's funny to be Chris and Marina together. Marina's told me that many, I don't work for you. Uh, you know, no, no, she keeps me grounded very quickly, uh, um, which is important. You're absolutely right. And it, I don't think it's about ego. I just think it's just, you know, 70% of your time, it's in one it's in one role and it's very stressful and it's very quick and there's a lot of things. And so when you say something, it's done very quickly and, uh, you know, you're moving on and then you come up, up and then it's not, you know, and so... You have to you have to adjust, but that's important that we have partners who who do that and and uh, and switch off. I've always actually been very. I've always, I mean, I always have a good sense of humor, whether it's at home or at work. And so uh, um, I don't take myself like you, and I can tell that from you, Dan. We don't take ourselves with these positions that seriously. You're right; it is big positions. It is important, but uh, and I can tell from you, so we don't really take ourselves. That seriously, we custodians of this position is not our position. We're just doing it for, uh, for a while. Uh, we we know that it's not forever. Um, and uh, we while we're here, we're going to do the best we can, and we're going to have fun, and we're going to touch people's lives and encourage them and grow them and watch them grow as well. That gives us tremendous uh, tremendous energy. And we and uh, when we come home, sometimes we need to exactly right. We need to be. Uh, how to call it rechecked and reminded what what it is and uh yeah it's it's happened on more than one occasion with me oh. now the kids you now the kids start to do it you know <laughs> <laughs> well i love your honesty i love your honesty because at the end of the day we're all human beings aren't we we are all perfectly imperfect that's what i always think absolutely <laughs> So, Duncan, honestly, I could chat to you for hours and hours, but I know that you're really, really busy. And so I'm just going to close with a few questions, if you don't mind, Duncan. No, um, with pleasure. So, you know, you've had an incredible career and, you you know, you should be feel rightly proud of what you've achieved and what you, you know, what your teams have achieved as well, importantly, and your family. When you look back over these 30 years, or maybe even longer, actually, could could go back to, to you know, your family life as well. Can you think of the best piece of advice that you've been given? <clears throat> best piece of advice I was given <clears throat> wasn't really advice, but it was a comment. Uh, it was a comment. I remember this still till today. I was working for, for Rosewood, and Jeffrey Gelardi was the the general manager of the Lanesborough and the senior vice president. Uh, called me on a pre-opening and he said, well, how is the grand opening looking like? You know, before he flew in, uh, we were about two months away. And I said, well, it's pretty good. 
Uh, and he said, uh, and I thought you were just going to move on to the next question. And he said to me, look, pretty good is not good enough, Duncan. Uh, and, then we, and then we went into a long, detailed conversation about that. And I never forgot that. I never forgot that, that uh, pretty good is not good enough. And uh, um, always do the absolute best you can to make it, do whatever I do uh, in terms, make it absolutely the best possible thing that we can, and not lose not lose, not deep dive and lose sight, you know, always stay with the big picture. But uh, that, that advice has always uh, served me well. Yeah, fantastic advice. Yeah, who, who wants mediocre, right? Who want to be in the top 1%, the top 5%? And that means right. doing 95% of stuff that other people aren't prepared to do, right, by definition. Exactly right. Yeah, I love that. Great advice. And can you think of any advice that you've been given that wasn't su such good advice, or maybe it was poor advice and you ignored it and you <clears throat> ignored it? Yeah, probably. Um, I think the worst advice I ever got when I was, I think, 20, 24 in Las Vegas, somebody told me, put all the money on 21, which I did. And then uh, I was flat broke. I think that's the worst advice I've ever, <laughs> ever had on the holiday. But no, on a serious note, um, on a serious note, make a plan, make a plan and stick with it. Um, and I did that once and it's wrong. You know, if it's not working, change and don't admit to change. So uh, things move, things change, assumptions change when you do it. And so that make a plan and absolutely stick to it. It's right in a way, but at the same time, always always escape what the other industries are doing, what is going on, not only yours, but try to pick up trends and see and how does that come into yours and how will that change and can it change the plan? So uh, that the little bit superficial making that plan, I think has, uh, has changed a little bit with me. I, I look and read and see what other things are doing, other industries, how do we learn, how we can do, how would it affect us, will it affect us? And I think that, and then and keep adapting, keep adapting, keep moving the, the bar that way. Yeah, fantastic. No, that's great. Yeah, because uh, it's not an obvious, uh, not an obvious um, piece of bad advice. But when you actually look at it, flexibility is always key, isn't it? Because we always. That's right. That's yeah, absolutely yeah. Right. yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So, so Duncan, this podcast is called Brave, Bold, Brilliant, which clearly you are. Otherwise, you wouldn't be a guest on it. Um, but when you think of those, either those three words separately or collectively as a term, brave, bold, brilliant, what does it mean to you? The bravery takes on two different, you know, bravery, you can have bravery personal and in business. It takes on different forms, I would imagine. Um, I think bravery is important. Uh, it's important to be brave not sitting back uh, and it sort of links onto bold right this bravery and bold if uh, it sort of comes on being bold being forward in the in the next works that go and brilliant you know brilliant for me is is that destination you're trying to reach you know you it's it's a target for me you know and I haven't reached that Jeanette uh, I'm hoping to still reach it, but uh, that brilliance is in, 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 and it changes obviously with every every career and every move and everything you do. That brilliance changes, but it's it's a for me it's a destination of trying to reach something, and so you won't reach it without being bold, and you won't reach it without being brave. That I can tell you. Uh, you need to be bold and brave to reach that 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 sort of destination, and that's why. And I found, it, I found it very interesting, that brave, bold, brilliant. Uh, I thought it was wonderful, those three words, uh, how entwined they are and, 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 and how important they are in terms of leadership and all of that. So I'm brave and I'm bold and I'm trying to reach that, that brilliant state, that end result there. Uh, but I also understand that that, that race to that, that race to that area it has the it, 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 that race that that end line always moves. It's always going to move. You'll never reach it for me. It's always moving, but you've got to keep trying to get there. Fantastic! Oh my word! What an answer, Duncan! I love that. That's amazing. And Duncan, where can people find you if they want to kind of connect with you, or maybe they're interested in joining a core and joining your wonderful team? What's the best way to to track you down? Through through LinkedIn uh, um, and my um, my email address is Duncan dot uh, at .com. So send me a mail directly to me. I read all my emails, or through LinkedIn with pleasure. And 
I hope that whoever's listening out here, we're looking for great people from any experience. It doesn't matter what your resume says. We don't look at resumes. Give us a call. We're looking for great people to join uh, this wonderful industry. And Janet, I wanted to thank you as well for giving me this opportunity as well. I think it's very special and, and a unique opportunity also to, to talk about this industry, which I think is, is so important and so meaningful for everybody. So I wanted to thank you as well. Oh, you are most welcome, Duncan. It's been an absolute joy having you on. And yeah, we've, we could have chatted for even more hours. We'll have to do a follow-up, Duncan. We do. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks again, Duncan. Nice to see Take you. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. I really hope you've enjoyed Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends. And if you've enjoyed listening, I'd love it if you'd leave me a five-star review.